You are listening to Artistic Finance Show 98. Today we get an update on the Artistic Finance 6K, the $6,000 of investments we purchased one year ago. We brought together a bonded investment CEO, a data analyst, and two lighting designers to see how the investments compare to the S&P 500. We'll review what we've learned about investing and discuss what next steps should be for these investments. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, and today I welcome back an illustrious panel of guests that I am so excited to have. First off, the CEO of the bond investing app, Liquidify, Maitre Gopalakrishnan. Welcome, Maitre. Hey, thanks, Ethan. It's great to be back. And now we have lighting designer and project manager, Ebony Madry. Welcome, Ebony. Yes, no, I'm ready. Yeah, let's go. Hello. <laughs> and we have a leader in data and analytics at a financial services firm, Katie Berman. Welcome, Katie. Hi, excited to be back. All right, we're recording this on May 4th, 2022. May the 4th be with you. The Lucille Lortel Awards were this week in New York City. And now those are the Off-Broadway Awards, and a lot of those shows will end up moving to Broadway. And speaking of one of those shows, Kimberly Akimbo won Outstanding Musical. And so it's going to go to Broadway this fall. And the lighting designer is Lap Chi Chu, who was a previous guest on our show. Kimberly Wong, Sweatshop Overlord, won Best Solo Show. And that had projections by another previous guest of ours, Kate Hevner. So, Maitre, what is the news over in Colorado today? We are somehow in May getting snow in the mountains. So that's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Colorado has strange weather. I love it. Ebony, over in LA, what's going on there? Um, I actually don't even know what's going on because I'm working too much. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, it was a little warm today. That's all I got. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's going to be a recurring theme. We don't know what's going on because we're working. Uh, Katie, what's the news in Missouri? Well, the only thing I got is um, the Blues, our hockey team, are in the playoffs right now. So they're in their first round. They won their first game. So let's go Blues. And another news, tomorrow is Ethan's birthday. So happy birthday, Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This will be this will come out after. But my birthday is Cinco de Mayo. So I hope everybody had an amazing Cinco de Mayo. And fun fact, the two-year anniversary of Artistic Finance. So. <laughs> yes, 100%. We had our first newsletter come out on the two-year anniversary, too. So if you didn't get the newsletter, message me, contact me, tweet me, let me know, and I will sign you up for that quarterly newsletter. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys all for being here. We are not financial professionals. We're just sitting here chilling and talking. Everyone should seek professional advice before making any decisions. Today, we're having our fourth quarter review of our 6K special to find out if the investment choices that I made are outperforming or underperforming the market. We invested six $1,000 investments across traditional and alternative assets, and we've reviewed it here on the show every three months. And today's review is one year and one day from when we 
purchased them. So everything we own now is older than a year. One of the rules of this experiment is that I would hold it that long, then I would decide whether to buy, sell, or hold. And Katie, why a year and a day? I would say you probably chose that because that's when long-term capital gains tax kicks in. So if you were to sell it, you would only pay long-term capital gains and you would not be penalized for selling on a short-term basis. Exactly. Also this year, when we're going to look at this and decide whether we want to get rid of some of these shift stuff around, I guess you would call that rebalancing. Katie, is is that rebalancing? Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I guess I would agree with that. You have usually with like a goal, you'll have goals set up for your entire portfolio that you'd like a certain percentage in different assets. And over time, obviously, they're all going to perform differently. So occasionally you have to go back and revisit to get back to those percentages that you're aiming for. Yeah. And I'm now just thinking our financial advisor, maybe they rebalance. But as far as I know, I've never rebalanced anything in my life. So I should probably check in on that. Do, do in, Does anyone here, do any of you rebalance every year? No. My advisor does. <laughs> No, I'm naughty. Yeah, I don't do it. Yeah. Okay, I hope my advisor does. <laughs> Katie, also now, this is going back to Ebony saying she's working too much. When we were setting up for this, you texted me and you said, this is an awful time for you to be wrapping up an investment experiment, LOL. So Katie, I'm going to be honest. I actually have not been listening to the news. I've been working crazy hours. So why is this a bad time for this annual review? <laughs> well, the only reason I said that was because recently we've been seeing a lot of market volatility. More often than not, we've had days where the, the overall market is down. My assumption based on that was generally, I assume that your investments are also following suit. However, I have not. I haven't looked at the results yet, so I don't know for sure. Okay, okay. I took a sneak peek, so I know, but I don't want to reveal the cards <laughs> just yet. Uh, is the volatility because of the war in Ukraine? I think or? that's definitely a part of it. I think um, changes in, in interest rates that we've seen recently are probably contributing as well, with those going up. Um, so, I mean, I'm just making all this up, but this is what I think is going on. So inflation is sort of going up because of post-COVID or COVID something, not necessarily because of the war. And so the Fed is hiking rates because of inflation, not necessarily the war. But then the war is also adding something. Does that seem right? Yeah, the interest rates speak to what you're saying, that crazy rates of inflation that we've seen. And I think the impact that the war has is probably just generally investor confidence or lack of confidence, I should say, in the market. Got it, got it. Because I just assumed the war, but now I'm realizing it's more inflation probably. Cool. Okay. All right. So let me recap what we have invested in. So we put $1,000 into the S&P 500, $1,000 into stocks, uh, commodities, tech, gaming, and an electric energy company. We put $1,000 into Bitcoin, $1,000 into a case of wine, and $1,000 into REITs, so real estate stocks. And then we put $1,000 into art, but I don't count that one because that is a negative 100% return or a 0% return. I don't know. We lost that. That, that We're just removing that from the equation because we chose not to like invest in investable art. Okay. So off the top of your heads, knowing what we know, how do you think this $5,000 of investments has done from a year ago? I'll start with you, Maitre. May of 2021, if I recall, was a pretty high time um, in, in our markets. 
and now it's a pretty well I don't know time in our markets it's a it's very it's fluctuating a lot so my guess is that I I don't know that it the markets have like tanked to the point where you've lost considerably but if you have gained probably just a smidge that would be my yeah assessment I know from what I've seen that things are going down so <laughs> in general so yeah okay okay all right fair so maybe up or down a smidge is what you're saying yeah i think so uh ebony what do you think um i definitely was gonna say down some just because of all of the uh dramatics is what i'm gonna call them happening in the world there's just a lot of um um unstableness happening i think globally and i think that that really plays a a big impact in in the finance world. Yeah, and I guess I should say that at our at our last review three months ago, we were up one percent, and the, at the time S and P was up thirteen percent. So we were trailing the market by twelve percent. Katie, how do you think we've done here? I so yeah, to my previous comment, I would <laughs> I had assumed that you were probably down slightly. I agree with the others. I wouldn't say I think you've lost like a majority of your principal or anything, but I would just say generally, I think compared to where we were at this time last year, it's likely that we're down a little bit. Okay. Okay. All, all right. Oh, so a negative, a negative bunch with me here today. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So I'm going to total them up in a second. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to recap sort of my investing strategy that is very loosely put together here. But so the rules for this experiment were, that I was using money that I could invest, aka I could lose. Um, half of it I wanted to put in high risk things. Half I wanted to have dividends coming in. So the idea there, even if it went down, I would still get some dividend income. Um, I wanted to do half traditional sort of stock market things, but then I wanted to do half alternatives, hence the wine and the Bitcoin. And then the way I picked these was I just read Motley Fool and Google and I searched for things and I just picked them at that time. The other rule is that I have to wait a year and a day before I reallocate. So even if something was tanking, I would hang on to it for the year. The hope with this really is that I'll never withdraw the money. But it's also to see how I can, if if I'm making good choices. <laughs> so is there anything I'm leaving out of this strategy or anything that you guys would add to this or something I should have a rule in here about? Something that would be helpful to think about um that I've been trying to think about more just like with all of what's going on in the world is um looking at the different types of industries that you're investing in and kind of like making sure to diversify in that. So there's like the traditional growth areas like tech, all of the cryptocurrencies um kind of fall into that bucket. Um things that are a little bit more like hard asset based, like I don't know, materials, communications, like this kind of thing. Um, and so there's all these different um, general kind of sectors or aspects of the market. I think it could be helpful to diversify in um, because, you know, there's going to be times when like everyone's investing in things that are like growth and um, like, like tech. And then there's going to be times when people are being a little more conservative and they know that a company that has assets has assets no matter what. So hopefully. Um, so yeah. Um, so kind of balancing those, I think would be helpful and that's something that I would consider. But 
All right, all right. Well diversified. Okay. Uh, Ebony, would you have anything to add to this sort of my rules? No, I don't think so. I think for me, it's, um, I think because I'm one of those that's kind of like a self-investor in the sense of like there's, I look for things. I do like, you know, a couple of minutes of research. I watch it for maybe a week or two. And then I either I'm like, okay, this is stable uh, or not. So I feel like it's, I like hearing everybody's like more structured approach. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, perfect. Perfect. So I've done perfectly according to Ebony. Katie, anything that you would add to these rules or do differently? No, not necessarily. I'd say my answers would be more generic and go, I think I something I talked about last time and that it depends. And I'd say it depends on, you know, how long you're planning to keep it, what you're planning to use the investment for at the end of the day, like what your goals are, that kind of stuff. It's probably what would inform the rules, so to speak, that I would use if I was like forming a strategy like this. So. Okay, perfect. All right. So we're doing it perfectly according to you. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so drum roll, please. <laughs> Three months ago, we were up 1%. And now, with all the volatility going on in the world today, we are at 1% still. So when I first saw that, before hearing about Katie and apparently this world's going crazy, I was like, son of a gun, we're behind the market again, which we are, by the way. We're still, the market, I think, is up 6%. Considering how everybody had a negative outlook, I feel like we've done fairly well here. So I want to dig in and figure out how we got to this 1%, like, you know, why did we not tank with everything else? And so we're going to start with the first one, which is our S&P 500 ETF. The one we have is IVV. It's an iShares S&P 500 ETF, low cost. It was the lowest cost, lowest fee ratio that I could find at the time. So Maitrey, could you give us a quick recap of what an ETF is and specifically what the S&P 500 is? In a nutshell, my understanding, you're basically for an ETF um, putting together kind of like a basket of different securities, and that can be stocks, bonds, and um, really anything in the investable arena um, that you could trade kind of on the market. Um, and then for an ETF, you can basically trade pieces of this basket the way you would a stock. Um, so you can trade it on an exchange the fees tend to be lower than for stuff like mutual funds um, on average. And they're also liquid um, more so. So you can actually like trade more quickly. Um, you don't have to wait as long. You don't have to wait for anything to happen. Um, you can just trade um, more like you can regular stock. Um, and then the S&P 500 is, um, it's just an index. So it kind of tracks like a benchmark. It kind of tracks the market and it does so by tracking, I think the 500 biggest companies um, in the U.S. that are like, on the exchange um, that are listed. And so um, a lot of ETFs and mutual funds um, are designed to kind of like track or match um, what, how, what the S&P 500 is doing. That's my understanding. But Katie might have a better perspective. I feel I mean, I'm no Katie, no data analyst here, but I feel like that was a great explanation. And how has our investment, our $1,000, how has it done? Did you say it went up 6%? From what I've read, that's a tiny bit below average, but it's not so bad. Like, I think I think it's in the territory of like a bond ETF return or something like this. I, I, think, I think it was okay. <laughs> all things considered, all the craziness considered, wasn't too bad. <laughs> well, since you're the bond expert, 
would we have been better off a year ago just going all into bonds? Not necessarily. So the weird thing about bonds is that um, you're probably seeing that the yields on the 10-year treasury and stuff like this are going up. That also means that the prices are going down. And so the value of your bond, if you were to have gotten it a year ago and then you're selling it now, it generally would have decreased. You wouldn't be getting into the bond market well, like in the coming months, probably when when the uh, when the yields are higher and the prices are lower, which is always the deal you want. So, yeah. So, so six percent is not an ideal return. <laughs> it's better than my one percent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's all perspective, <laughs> all relative. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Okay, so. Yep, trailing the S&P 500. So now our individual stocks. So I picked four different companies. VST is an electric energy uh, company. It has some fossil fuel baggage, but they're working on getting rid of that. Um, Skills is a mobile gaming app. And LAC, Lithium America, that's a lithium mining company. And then TAP, which is Molson Coors Beverage, the makers of Blue Moon. Those are just the individual stocks I picked. Katie, how do you feel about me picking individual stocks in this? I think that's totally fine. I think like most, I think that's a generally like common strategy, people picking individual stocks as well as picking some sort of fund or, you know, be the index or whatever. And I think as far as the ones that you've actually picked, I think they, like it was, it's a variety as far as industry is concerned. So it's not like you're going all in on tech or something like that. and um, I, I thought they were, you know, interesting choices. Yeah. So how have our four investments done? So it looks like you've been, as far as the individual stocks themselves, kind of all over the board. <laughs> and if I'm reading this appropriately overall on your stocks, you were up 13%. So that's pretty good. Um, oh, wait, that's, you're right. That's, that's over the S&P 500. So in this segment, this one little segment, I'm outperforming the market. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to say that out loud for everyone to hear. <laughs> As can be probably like proven by the individual stock performance. Individual stocks themselves can be more volatile. So right now they happen to be outperforming the market. Maybe, you know, on a different month that might not have been the case. I don't know. But because it looks like you're you're everywhere from 108% up to down 88% in those four stocks. So <laughs> <laughs> averages out to plus 13. That's not bad. Or plus 14 almost. Yeah. I get heart palpitations when I see negative 88% there. That's skills. The gaming app is down 88%. Yeah. Skills. Yeah. The energy company is up 57%. The lithium ion company, that's the one that gives me reverse heart palpitations because it's up 108%. And then Molson Coors, the beverage company, I thought that was like a steady dividend pick. And it's actually down 4%. But that's better than where it was last time. It was down like 15% in the past. Did you, or I'm just curious, did you include the dividends in your return calculation? Or are you only looking at the difference in price? I knew that you would ask this question. So the answer is I'm including the dividend reinvestment in there. It's included in the, the gain, the total gain. Does that make sense? Yes. Am I not supposed to do that? <laughs> no, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So some so some of that gain has been 
dividends that we've then put back into purchasing more shares of those stocks. So like you started with three shares and now you have more than that? Yeah, I have like 3.1 now. Okay. But that's that's just too much numbers for me to keep track of. So I just look at how much money do I have now versus how much it started. Okay. All right. So our third investment was Bitcoin and Ebony. I'm going to ask you about this one because I know last time you mentioned you had some crypto that wasn't Bitcoin. <laughs> so Ebony, do you know how Bitcoin is doing these days? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually am uh, kind of surprised. I'm just looking at your uh, sheet here with, I mean, it's not terrible. Uh, but I feel like I would have expected it to be doing a little bit better just because I feel like crypto was really being pushed. I mean, I drive around and there are all these like billboards for these like crypto credit cards and stuff. So it's like, hmm, I'm glad I didn't get one of those. <laughs> um, but I mean, this isn't terrible. I mean, I don't think it's terrible for like it being something that's uh, kind of new to us when it comes to currency. Yeah, so we purchased it at the height, $66,000 a coin. Then the next week, it, it split in half, and it really has not come back. So it's currently at 39000 a coin. Our 1000 is currently $690. We're down 30% on the Bitcoin front. Yeah, yeah, the split, <laughs> the split, yeah. But But the thing is, actually, I must say, everybody says crypto is volatile, and boy, is it. But on the flip side... We have been down 30% for like every single review we've been. Right. It's like a consistent. <laughs> so had I purchased it a week later than I did, we probably would just have roughly $1,000 of it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I thought that one would be going back up, but hey. Same. Yeah. No, totally same. Um, and yeah, my um, I have some uh, Ethereum. Uh, she's not doing too hot. <laughs> she's not doing too hot. <laughs> but I'm, I'm riding the wave because I'm like, it has to right come back up a little <laughs> the the episode we yeah. did on crypto with uh Naja Roberts so i am a subscriber to all her social medias and today i she had a post that said a dca a day keeps poverty away which is a dca being dollar cost average i remember her on the episode saying so if you're not really into crypto but you know you want to get some or blah 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 she was like just put $5 a day and do it and my mistake in this experiment was buying $1,000 all at once in May, because had I done like $100 a week, we'd probably have like $900 or something. So we'd probably still be down. Yeah. no, And that's basically how I got into the cryptos. It was like, okay, I'm just going to start with like 20 bucks, 30 bucks. So it doesn't hurt me as much. <laughs> and I'm still, I, I must say, I'm not unhappy with it. Yes, it's down 30% and what a bummer, but... I knew it was volatile. I knew that was going to happen. And I do think long term. And it could be a lot worse. Well, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm not worried about it. And actually, I know a lot of people look at crypto as like tech, etc. And there's a lot more to it. But I sort of look at it as gold, just different. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. On that. I feel like it will. I think it, I think it still uh, has a lot of room, room for growth. I feel like it, at some point we will all have those crypto credit cards i think yeah yeah one day we're gonna break from our negative 30 percent. yeah all right our next investment wine so my tray i know that you seemed really interested in wine investing at the last quarterly review so i'm just curious have you invested in wine now i took the plunge ethan i <laughs> got my case of wine on vina vest so yeah i did it is doing 
Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's certainly down. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I was, I was happy with it for the first couple of and then it started, um, yeah, heading down a mountain steadily. But I am um, keeping my faith that two months is a bit of a short time because the idea, I think, with investing in wine is that it will pretty steadily grow um, as it gets closer to drinking age. Like, I, I think for fine wine, that's like anywhere between 10 and 20 years away. I'm just going to hold on to it. And um, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, we can just get our cases from England, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Not encouraging that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I did. I did try it out. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Good to know. Good to know someone else has done it. And also... We have an affiliate link for VinoVest if anybody wants to sign up. I'm not pushing it, but I am saying this to say that somebody signed up using our affiliate link. And so we got three months of our fees waived. That factors into this return we're looking at. <laughs> okay, so the $1,000 that we put into a case of Bordeaux is now worth eleven seventy eight. Oh, nice. So almost $1,200. So we're up on the wine front. 17%, which I was surprised at because every review we've been up like a little bit, like a few percentage, a few percentage, and it was really staying steady at that $1,000. And then I logged in today and it said $1,200. And I was like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> I've noticed it fluctuates a lot in the early, in the early months. I feel like it goes, it, it was going quite a lot. And then um, it, I think it, yeah, it has a completely kind of different pattern from what I've seen anything else being. So I'm intrigued. Um, we'll have to keep track of our, our little, you know, best trackers. Who have it. Because I was like impressed with how steady it was. For me, I didn't see that volatility because like the line was just very straight. But that being said, looking back, I did see the line was going up and down a, a little bit. But it's mostly been up for me. So it's still actually very steady, at least my my case. I got to get some Bordeaux. <laughs> <laughs> and my trade, I'm just interested because now you can get individual bottles on VinoVest. Like you can actually trade like single bottles. Have you been doing any of that? I haven't. Um, so I actually talked with one of the portfolio advisors there and I asked about this because they were just starting it out. And what they said is that typically when they are trading, when people are trading wine on the market, um, it's done in cases and not by the individual bottle. So if we, for example, were to take one bottle of wine out of our case, then it would be um, obviously worth less because it's, you know, one less bottle, but also um, harder to sell because it's not the full case. Yeah, even though maybe you can diversify a little bit more with individual bottles, um, just from a liquidity standpoint, it might be easier to do the case. Got it. Okay, yeah, I, I don't want to get too involved in the wine. I'm just happy with the case we have. I, when I saw the individual, it's like a second portal for the individual bottles. And I just assumed that was like, if you had a special bottle, if you had a special one, then that's where you would go for that. I didn't even think about splitting ours up into, is it 12 bottles in a case or six, whatever, however many bottles are in our case. <laughs> I don't think you do that. I think they actually have um, individual bottles from different regions that they feature for um, buying. And now they just added a sell feature as well. So you can actually like literally like day trade wine if, if you wanted. Um, and I do like to point out the fees on the wine because while I'm very happy with this 17% return now that I'm looking at with the wine, the fees are very 
high and also there's no dividends like the wine is never going to pay a dividend so i'm just trying to look here to see what we paid in it's 2.85 percent if you're investing less than 10k i think it drops to 2.7 percent or something after but they do part of that fee does go towards the storage facility and you have to store it in a temperature controlled environment all this fancy stuff so uh that's part of it oh okay so here it is for our thousand dollars a year in now we've paid 20 two dollars in fees actually that's sort of wrong we've paid 31 dollars in fees but because somebody affiliate linked us we got nine dollars off had we not had that affiliate thing we would have paid 31 dollars. so on the thousand dollars we're paying roughly 31 dollars a year which which is high but as long as the investment keeps going up then in theory that's going to be just fine all right, Katie, back to you for this final investment of ours, REITs, the real estate things. We bought four REITs, and I thought these were like the safe dividend-paying stocks, like it's real estate, they, people pay you rent, and you get money, and blah, 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 blah. Katie, quickly, what are REITs, and then how have ours done? I, I just think about them as like an easy way, so to speak, to get into real estate. And so it's kind of like a a fund or something, but specific to real estate and that you have the ability to invest at a much lower um, price, so to speak, than actually having to invest in an entire property by yourself. Um, so the REIT itself is investment in real estate or in multiple properties. And it's an, like a collection of you know multiple people investing in these things. I was listening to the investors podcast this week and their guest was talking about REITs and somebody said, oh, are you into real estate? And he's like, I believe in real estate. I think it's a really great thing. I only own REITs. He's like, I know you could get a better return, et cetera, doing it, you know, owning a property or something like that. And he's like, but for me, I just REITs are easy to get in and out of. And so I want real estate and that's how I do it. Exactly. Like owning a portion of a, of a property, um, so to speak. But the R, it looks like according to your to your sheet here, um, the REITs unfortunately are one of the investments that was down overall. However, not your worst performance. It is a negative two percent, so still lower than the market in this case, but almost flat. So I purchased all these in different apps because I wanted to keep them separately. The REITs are all owned in Webull. One thing I do not like about it is that it will not reinvest the dividends. These are all paying dividends, but they just sit there as cash. I now have $56 in cash just sitting there waiting to be deployed, but I have to go do it, which is so not cool. <laughs> but Katie, um, because this is an awful app and I now have this $56 in dividends, what should I do? Like, should I reinvest it all equally into all of these or should I reinvest it into one of them? Or should I re reinvest it into Bitcoin or something? I generally always think that, again, not me giving advice, depends on your individual situation, but I generally always think that reinvesting is a good idea. It's kind of like that dollar cost averaging thing. If you're continuously reinvesting the dividends and things that you're getting, then you're always getting it in at different, different price levels. So yeah. be that in the REIT itself or in another investment. Um, I personally like to always try to turn on reinvesting on anything that gives me dividends. But The highest return was 8% and the lowest return was 41% of the REITs. Okay, the old Ethan would have put this $56 into the lowest performing thinking 
<laughs> it's gone lowest, I can get it at a lower price and then it'll go up. But if there's one thing I have learned from my investing podcast listening, they say that's an amateur mistake. What you should do is sell the losers and invest in the winners. So by that logic, I should put into the highest returning one. If I just put the $56 into the one that returned 8%, you think that's good? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's honestly, that's what I've been doing is like if I've bought something and like I have dividends and something isn't doing too well, I have been like selling off the the weakest links, as I call them, and then putting into the other. I feel like it's like, well, it's almost like in a way, like in quotes, like free money, right? Like I didn't really have to think about it. I didn't really have to do anything to get this. So if I lose it somewhere else, it's okay. And if I might've said something about this last time we, we chatted as well, but if you sell off the ones that are losing, you might have an opportunity for tax loss harvesting and you could get tax benefits from your losses that could offset some of the gains you have as well. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> Tax loss harvesting. I just can't say it with a straight face. I just can't. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to either reinvest in the strongest one of those REITs. That's what I think I'm going to do. Or I'm going to tax loss, tax loss harvest, you know, and save my $8 in taxes or whatever. <laughs> okay. All right. So our final investment that's not a real investment was art. We put $1,000 into art. And I have to say that the painting arrived finally after a year of waiting and anticipating. <laughs> it came and Brett Slater came to our apartment and installed it. And I have a photo there, which maybe I'll share somewhere, some way, somehow. Ebony, just curious from your perspective, how do you think we did on this investment that technically lost 100% of the money that went into it? I mean, I think it's... And I feel like adding to your home in that way with a custom piece, though, is I, I feel like it, it's worth it. I um, I have a big appreciation for art and pieces. And I, I feel that even though, yes, you lost like monetary value in it, I think how cool is it to have something that was made like just for you in your home that you can enjoy? So, yes, yeah, no money, but I think it's pretty. Uh, look at it. <laughs> And also, if anybody sees a photo of it, it's white. It's shades of white. So I just lit the play Art, which is about three people sitting in a room looking at a white canvas that somebody paid $200,000 for. <laughs> that is my favorite. Yeah, I love that show. And I feel like this this artwork that we got that is all white could go and be in the play. Like, I, you could just put it in and be like, Ethan, is the, it's all shades of white. Are you sure this is art? <laughs> you definitely need to get some type of like, I think you need some type of like accent light on it just to like highlight and a little more and a little more to to its essence. I, I think it's super cool. I uh, and like also commissioning someone to make something for you like that's awesome. How involved were you like with the process of like the piece or did you just give him direction? Like what was that? I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So I have an entire blog post on my Patreon account that goes through the journey of getting the artwork, which I will share with you, Ebony, and everybody can find it by going to patreon.com slash artistic finance. We were trying to be zero involved in it, but we became very involved because Brett would be like, oh, do you like this? What do you think? What do you like? And 
So there was quite an involvement. We never actually went to see the piece, probably because it's COVID and you can just send photos so you don't actually need to go out and see it. But I sent dimensions of the space. We talked about what we liked. We talked about the specific place on the wall that we were going to put it. We, you know, we'd go long periods without talking and then we'd talk again. So it was quite a process, actually. I feel like I made the art. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, but that, but that I think adds more like to the value of it, right? Is like, not only is it a custom piece, but it's like a custom piece that you helped like create and like manifest into like physical form. So 100% because we, we were, we were not, we were thinking, oh, we'll just purchase a piece of art and we'll get a piece of art. And instead we had to get involved and like do a lot of it, which we weren't expecting, but definitely made it a more rewarding experience for mm -hmm. sure. Almost worth a thousand dollars, you might say. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Okay. All right. So the summary of our investments here, um, we are at a 1.04% return uh, after a year, barely above breaking even, definitely not keeping pace with inflation, which I don't know what it is, but we're not keeping pace with it. Uh, and we're still trailing the S&P 500 by 5%. So this solidifies the Warren Buffett thing that individual pickers cannot beat the market <laughs> we i asked this question last time but i'm gonna ask it again and see if any of the answers are different are there any takeaways that you guys have or anything that you've learned from this experiment so starting with my tray um the dollar cost averaging thing that we talked about a little more today was really interesting and i feel like it applies everywhere i've seen um a lot of just situation and done this myself where you just put a lot of money at once into one area and I think as a strategy it can actually be really helpful to invest small amounts over time versus a larger amount at once which I guess seems intuitive but it wasn't when I started out investing so I think that's that's a big takeaway for me yeah also on after this art conversation and all of that, like ultimately it's your, when you're investing, it should be something that makes you happy in the end, you know? So if you feel good about it, even if you had a hundred percent negative return, um, it, it made you happier. It, it enlightened your life in some way. And I think that that's uh, ultimately the most important thing in the long term because it's like, it's your life. So. You want to enjoy it. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Worth the loss. The paper loss. The wait, the real loss. I don't know. <laughs> My loss was Brett Slater's gain, which is wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Ebony, have you learned anything or do you have any takeaways from this? Um, that I need to, I think I might have said this last time, I need to revisit my portfolio because I feel like right now, and I say portfolio very loosely, it's just me looking at a whole bunch of apps. Um <laughs> Is like, right, I feel like you're very diverse. And right now, um, my focus has mostly been on tech. I feel like I, I really want to get in more like individual stocks as well. So I am need to I need to look at that. You have, have re-inspired me. Yes, you too could have a 1% gain after a year. <laughs> Katie, have you learned anything or do you have any takeaways? Yeah, I think I've... I've learned a lot about some of the non, I don't know if you say traditional, like investing asset classes. Like I think last time I talked about the wine as well, I was very intrigued by the whole Vinovest concept. And I'd say 
since last time, I feel like I've learned a lot in the crypto space, like listening to like that episode with Nigel Roberts, I really liked a lot. And I've learned a lot on, on crypto. And now I'm like, man, should I be investing in cryptocurrency? I don't know. And I, you know, kind of like my trade and Ebony Revolt saying with the art as well really resonates with me. Like as Ebony was talking about it, I thought a lot about the, you know, it's the Kanmari method. Does it bring you joy? Um, and if so, then it's a good decision and it's a good thing to keep. So even if it you spent money on it, that's that joy is a return in itself. And I was going to say my takeaway, at least from last quarter to this quarter, was just one, I definitely should not be picking investments because I cannot beat this market. But even with the stock market being super volatile, we still remain steady, weirdly, even with our Bitcoin and even with our wine and all this crazy stuff. That gives me a little confidence in like, okay, it's not the worst. You know, if you just looked at Bitcoin, you're like down 30%. But when you add it all up, like what Maitre was saying about being diversified, on purpose or accidental, I am fairly diversified. It's not gaining a ton, but it's not, it hasn't, I haven't lost anything yet. Yeah, I was going to say on that note, which I feel like you've talked about this in, pers- in, pro- in past episodes, so hopefully it's not personal, but I feel like you've said personally your investment philosophy is, oh, I typically stick with funds. I don't pick individual stocks, like whatever. So if anything, it should like reinforce the strategy that you're taking in your personal life too, right? That's true. That's true. And I must say, while I'm picking all this just as an experiment to see if I can, because I feel like the general advice is like, put it in funds, put it with steady, non-volatile things. And that's what we do with our financial advisor. It's all in index funds. We don't own any individual stocks with like that money. Um, but this with this experiment, I'm trying to see if, could I do better than the financial advisor? And the answer so far is no, I cannot. <laughs> Okay, so now question for you guys all. We're at a year and a day, so now I'm free to sell these or, I don't know, rebalance, etc. I'm not going to add anymore. I'm, I'm sticking with the principle that we, we started with, that $5,000. So I'm not going to add anything. Should I sell any of these? Are any of these jumping out as things you think I should get rid of? Or are there any that you like that you're thinking, oh, maybe if you get rid of something, you should go into this? Or you should put that $56 into this specific thing? Or should I just hold it all? So I'm going to start with you again, Maitre. What do you think I should do moving forward? I tend to just hold on to things and then add more into the things that I like. Uh, That's always been my strategies. I would maybe put a little bit more money into either the wine thing or just hold off and like honestly just hold it in cash for a little while. And then... um, wait for a couple more of those interest rate hikes and um, a little bit more craziness in the economy and then invest (laughs) at the lower point. But that is like trying to time the market and that's always really hard to do. And also just to go into some of this stuff like like real estate and and just like things with actual assets, (laughs) Um, I think is is probably going to be a safer play as we're getting into a more turbulent time in our economic world. Um, that's my two cents, but yeah. My trade the bond person, always talking about steady and safe. <laughs> yes, and also invest in bonds. <laughs> oh, right. That's true. That's true. We don't have any of those. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it's a good time to mention that the I-bond is currently at a 9.62% um, interest rate, which is 
crazy um, phenomenal for a bond, um, any type of bond, honestly. So um, that that could be an opportunity. And you can get in at a lower price point than the bonds you'd find on regular brokerage. So, And if you don't know what an I-bond is, you can listen to episode 86 with our special guest, Maitre Bhopal Krishnan. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and we talked all about I-bonds, which I had never even heard of. And at that time, they were a 7% return. And yes, now they are 9%, which is crazy to me. Absolutely. <laughs> As a yeah. millennial, this is unprecedented. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have never known anything but 0% interest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ebony, what do you think? Should we buy, sell, hold? What are your thoughts? My thought is to hold. Like, I feel like, yes, things are kind of unstable right now, volatile, but I feel like once we get through these uh, times, I think it'll be worth it. So I would just hold. Even that mobile gaming app that's down 88%. Should I hold that one? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. And that's the thing, though, is it's like I'm normally of the mindset that it's like, eh, cut the weak ones. Like, <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like it. Um, Yeah, maybe that 88% one. But as I like scroll through, I think. Everything else was, uh, you know, in Bitcoin, I feel like that will be okay. Yeah. Okay, hold. All right. Clear message there. Katie, what do you think we should do? Or what would you do? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything different than what these guys have said. Generally, I don't think you can go wrong with withholding. I think also, just out of curiosity, it'd be cool if, you know, as the podcast continues, you continue to kind of check in on how it's doing in future months or years, even. I don't want to ask you guys to spend money, but I really wanted to be like, for like the next year going forward, I wanted to be like, oh, could you guys each pick an investment and track it? I think that might be fun. Then like you guys all have a pick. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm in. You would do it? I would 100% do that. Yeah, I'm in. I will. Yeah, I would do it too. I would too. I'll do the I-bonds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> okay, I was like not, didn't want to put you guys on the spot or anything. And I like have had that thought for a while. Okay, cool. You are all going to pick a $1,000 investment and you're going to put $1,000 in and you in our quarterly reviews are going to track it and see not only if you can beat the market, but to see if you can beat this old guy here. <laughs> You just have to beat 1% I'm and you'll be good. Up for the challenge. Let's do it. Oh, this is exciting. Okay, so we I guess we won't find out what your picks are until quarter one. Oh, this is going to be really exciting. This is gonna, Because I feel like my trade is going to pick bonds, which is something I've been wanting to track because that was one thing I left out that I should have done. Totally. <laughs> I'll go on all in bonds. Oh, this is exciting. Okay, so here it's decision time for me on what I'm going to do with these investments. So... What I am going to do is I'm going to hold. I'm not going to change a single thing. <laughs> and for the record, Katie just gave me a thumbs up. Maitre is snapping approvingly. <laughs> Ebony, I like to think, is smiling, but her video is not on. Oh, she sent a, a cheering emoji. <laughs> I am. Yeah. No. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to hold. I'm going to hang on to that stock that's down 88%. I'm going to hang on to the Bitcoin. I'm just hanging it all. Because um, again, Ian Dunlop, the investor I like to follow, he says, you know, just hold everything for 10 years. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold it for 10 years. And if he's right, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> um, okay, so I feel like we've gone long enough. Do we have enough time to get updates from everybody? I'm just going, I'm just going for it. So my trace, starting with you, bonds in the Ukraine, are they issuing war bonds? 
what's going on or is there some other bond news that's going on we should know about? My understanding of what's going on with the Ukraine bonds is that um, they issued a bunch in, gosh, when did this start? I think at the beginning of March is when they did that, um, maybe late February. It turned out the central bank bought a lot of them, the Ukraine central bank. And I think that they're trying to actually look more internationally um, to get their investments. And so I've seen they might be talking about issuing an international bond or denomination at some point, but I have no idea what the timeline in that is. I don't know what that's going to look like. So um, TBD, but maybe in our next update. Okay. So we can't buy, if we wanted to help out Ukraine, there's no bonds to buy to help them. I haven't found anything. So that's, yeah. Um, but in the general world of bonds, um, yeah, the 10-year treasury is above, I think it broke 3% which hasn't happened in a little while. Um, so prices are going down and yields are going a, up. A little while being 50 years or a little while being two years? Oh yeah, the last couple of years at least, um, from what I can remember. Certainly since COVID, the interest rates on bonds have been unfortunate. <laughs> um, so I, I think I think now it's, they're starting to come back up a little bit. So there's a little more breathing room in the bond market. But I, I am probably myself, again, not advising anyone to do anything, but I'll probably wait a little bit longer and see what those couple more interest rate hikes do and then decide about when the good time to get in is. So that's that's my two cents on the bond market. But those I-bonds, those are something, yeah. The I-bonds, man, I, you know, I hope somebody picks an I-bond. In, in, in one of your $1,000 in investments, I hope somebody picks an I-bond because I think those are going to cream me. <laughs> All right. So Ebony, are there any investments that you're excited about or looking into or are there any jobs on the horizon for you? I can talk to jobs. I haven't really been uh, good with my investments. It's been a crazy time. It's been nuts. Uh, I'm in the cup, a middle of uh, a couple of like hybrid corporate um, projects and uh, also gearing up to do some lighting design for Halloween Horror Nights here in oh, California. All right. Is that like a haunted house or is it like shows on a stage? No, they take over Universal basically. And there are a whole bunch of mazes that are themed. Uh, and I am doing the decor lighting. So anything that's not a maze uh, in the park will be lit uh, by me. So that'll be super exciting. That's super cool. And I think you should pitch an idea for next season to be like, have the IRS people after you. Like, oh, yeah. did you pay your taxes? <laughs> That's oh. it. I know, like creepy, like scary, like Uncle Sam with like the little like scary clickers and the like sparking knee pads when yes. they slide at you. Yeah, and you, you, you like walk into a room and all the doors slam at once and you can't escape. And then somebody steps out of the corner and they're like, and you're now being audited. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I all right. Love yes. It. Okay. Universal, if you're listening, we got an idea for you. Yeah. Katie, are there any investments or is there some financial news that we should know about these days? I think I was saying prior to the official start of this is that I have been interested in trying to invest in something, just knowing that the market has been down lately. So I typically rely on my financial advisor to help me with that. I have a combination of funds and individual individual stocks. So I usually say, hey, this is how much money I'm, I'm looking to use and he'll spread it out between some of my existing things. So I'm hoping to do that here in the next couple of days. All right. So you see volatility and you start to smell blood in the water. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's the, um, 
what's the one the the Warren Buffett quote that like my husband always quotes is like be greedy when others are scared, be scared when others are greedy. Usually when the market is down is when I'm like, oh, it's time to start buying something. So um Amazing. Okay, well my only my only update is that artistic finance now has a newsletter every quarter. And if you want it, message me, email me, artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com, uh, or get a hold of me in any way, and I will add you to that list. And I will say, actually, Nicole, my wife, our producer, she's heading up that newsletter, and she's doing an amazing job. And so thank you, Nicole, for doing that. All right, so that's it. We're wrapped up. We are at a 1% gain, 5% behind the market. No problem. We're totally cool at that. Ethan's remaining calm. And all our guests today, Katie, Maitre, Ebony, thank you for being here. And I'll put your LinkedIn, your socials in the show notes if anybody wants to connect with you guys. Um, but thanks for your time and thanks for your energy. Thanks, Ethan. This is really fun. Yes, thanks. So much fun, always. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Oh, yeah. And I'll see you all on August 5th for our new Q1 review for the new year and all your new investments. Exciting. Can't wait. Yeah, I literally just put a a note in my to-do list. Invest 1K, find stock. (laughs) That's it for the 6K update. My takeaways are that I'm going to hold all investments. I also need to reinvest the $56 of dividends from the REITs. And now we're going to have three other investments to track. We confirmed after recording that MyTray will be choosing I-bonds. Katie and Ebony have yet to determine their choices. And one last point I'd like to make is that we are all roughly in our mid-30s. The decisions and thoughts we have reflect that. If we were mid-20s or mid-60s, we might be making different choices. Now, what do you think of these investments and this experiment? Are you enjoying it? And have you learned anything? Do you want to pick a $1,000 investment and run the experiment in sync with us? It's been a great learning experience for me, and having skin in the game reinforces some of these lessons I'm learning. Now, if you do choose an investment to play along with, be sure to let me know so that I can celebrate your wins and commiserate your losses, though I hope there are no losses. Now, the best place to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn under my name, Ethan Steimel. I always make a post for each episode, and that is a great place to connect. In the show notes, you'll find a link to our guests' social media handles. You'll also find a list of all our investments and affiliate links if you want to sign up for the apps I'm using. Those are VinoVest, Robinhood, Webull, Coinbase, and M1 Finance. I'm not recommending them, but if you do sign up using the links, they all provide some sort of kickback like a free stock or $10 of Bitcoin. Now, the next best way to get involved with artistic finance is to become a patron. In addition to being my favorite people in the world, patrons get early releases to episodes, including next week's, which is about credit card rewards. I learned quite a few things about using points. And if you've listened to this show long enough, you'll know that I'm very skeptical of rewards programs. But I learned some things during that interview that are making me come around to actually using the credit cards to my advantage. To hear that episode now, become a patron at patreon.com slash artistic finance. Again, that is patreon.com slash artistic finance. Thank you again to my guests for being here and thank you for listening. That's it for today. Until next week, break a leg.
Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.